Good morning, H2O. Hope you are doing well. Um, I am glad to, to be with you guys today for our Sunday service. Um, obviously, last week we had our service online. This week we have it both online and in person. So uh, for you online people, I hope you enjoy the message today. Uh, my name's Kyle. I'm not a pastor at H2O right now, uh, but I am a full-time staff member and I'm on our teaching team. Um, and so you'll be hearing from me along with Grant and a couple others this semester if you stick with us. Uh, and so last Sunday we began our fall semester series and it's called Provider. Um, and so in this series, the goal is to, to look at all kinds of stories in the Bible where um, really the Lord has provided for his people. Uh, and as a teaching team, we thought this would be really relevant for the um, current space that, uh, and season of life that we're all in with, with um, the pandemic going on and stuff like that. And so we just get to see how um, God is still alive and how he still provides for us in the midst of difficulty. Last week, Grant looked at uh, the story of Abraham and Isaac and how God provided for their worship. And so if you uh, missed that one, you're able to catch it online on our website at h2ouc.com or on our app, uh, the H2O Network app. And so uh, be sure to catch that if you ended up missing it. This week, we're going to look at David uh, and his relationship with uh, a man named Jonathan in the Bible um, as an example for how God provides good friendship. And so um, I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to jump into uh, some scripture and some, uh, really some story about David and Jonathan. So, Father, God, I just thank you for our time together, and Lord, I just pray that you'd um, really teach us through your word. Lord, help us to be uh, people that are after you and, and uh, love you with everything that we are. God, we love you, and we just uh, ask that you would uh, be present with us, and we pray this in your name. Amen. So, um, this is going to kind of be a little bit of story time, I guess. Uh, we're going to jump into some story about David, and then we're going to read some scripture in between, specifically about his relationship with Jonathan. Uh, I'm going to kind of give some uh, summary of, of everything that's going on in the background so that those uh, bits about David and Jonathan make a little bit more sense. And so if you're not familiar, David is a very significant uh, person in the Bible and in our overall redemption story um, as the church. Uh, he was a shepherd when he was young, and then he was prophesied to become the king of Israel. Uh, what's so significant about David is that ultimately um, the messianic lineage comes from his bloodline. And so uh, it, it was kind of foretold that um, the Messiah, Jesus, would come from David's bloodline. In this story we're about to read, a man named Saul was appointed by God uh, to be king, but then he turned away from the Lord. And so the Lord chose to replace him with David. And while David knows that he's supposed to be king, he's not yet assumed his kingship. And so uh, Saul uh, begins to hate David ultimately because uh, he hates he knows that the Lord is with David still and is not with him uh, and not with Saul. And uh, a lot of people have come to admire and love David because of his success in his military battles and things like that. Now, the third character in this story is a man named Jonathan, and he's Saul's son, King Saul's son. And uh, he's also just a man that has a deep friendship and relationship with David, uh, perhaps deeper than any other friendship that we see in scriptures. Uh, and so those are our three main characters in this story, David, uh, who is to become king, Saul, who is currently king, and his son, uh, Jonathan, who is also David's best friend. 
Now, um, you may be familiar with the story of David and Goliath. That's the story where uh, David slays this giant with a slingshot and brings a lot of glory to uh, God and glory to his nation Israel. Um, And uh, just after this is kind of where our story about David and Jonathan begins. And so um, we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 18. uh, And we're going to read verses 1 through 3. It says this, When David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan committed himself to David and loved him as much as he loved himself. Saul kept David with him from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as himself. And so um, this is just talking about David and in this relationship with Jonathan talks over and over about how Jonathan loved David as much as he loved himself. Now, after this, uh, it becomes increasingly clear that the Lord is, is with David, and Saul increasingly begins to hate that, right? Uh, he just knows that his kingship is going to end soon, and that David is going to assume kingship over Israel. And so Saul begins to hate David. And really, for a, a period of time here, a long period of time, uh, David is constantly fearing for his life. Right? He has this um, really kind of a psychopath in Saul that uh, is... is kind of flip-flopping all over the place as to how he even feels about David. Sometimes he'll he'll say, oh, no, I'm never going to kill David. He's done so much good for Israel. And then shortly after, he'll be like, no, I still want to kill David. And so, you know, David sometimes feels safe and and tries to live this normal life. And then shortly after that, he learns that Saul still intends to kill him. And so uh, he's just got a lot of this, you know, fear and anxiety and stuff like that uh, going on. And you can imagine how that feels. And so our, our next passage picks up with David Um, talking to Jonathan about this. This is in 1 Samuel 20, uh, verses 1 through 4. David fled from Nioth and Ramah and came to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What did I do wrong? How have I sinned against your father so that he wants to take my life? Jonathan said to him, No, you won't die. Listen, my father doesn't do anything, great or small, without telling me. So why would he hide this matter from me? This can't be true. But David said, Your father certainly knows that you have come to look favorably on me. He has said, Jonathan must not know of this, or else he will be grieved. David also swore, As surely as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, there is but uh, a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do for you. And so, again, we see this deep fear and anxiety that David is experiencing. Um, And he goes as far as to say that I'm a step away from death. And then Jonathan tells him, like, I'll do anything for you. Um, And so what Jonathan does next is he devises this plan with David. uh, And he uh, basically is going to try to find out if Saul still intends to kill David. And so uh, there's this new moon feast and... um, Jonathan is like, hey, I'm just going to talk to my dad during this feast and and try to figure out if he still intends to kill you. And so um, the next day, David is supposed to hide in this field. And Jonathan is basically going to shoot an arrow off into the distance and tell his servant to go after it. And if he tells his servant to bring it back, uh, that means that it's safe for David and that uh, Saul doesn't intend to kill him anymore. And if he tells his servant that he needs to keep running past the arrow, basically, then it's dangerous for David and uh, Saul still intends to kill him. And so we find out that Saul still has this murderous intention towards David, kind of in dramatic fashion. Um, Saul throws a spear at his own son when he finds out that uh, Jonathan is, you know, kind of taking David's side on this whole matter. 
Uh, and then uh, the next scripture is kind of what happens after Jonathan proceeds with this plan. He, he shoots the arrow off into the distance, tells the servant to, to keep running, and uh, David knows then that it's still dangerous for him. And so in 1 Samuel 41 and 42, it says this. When the young man had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone ezel, fell with his face to the ground, and bowed three times. Then he and Jonathan kissed each other and wept with each other, though David wept more. Jonathan then said to David, Go in the assurance the two of us pledged in the name of the Lord when we said, The Lord will be a witness between you and me and between my offspring and your offspring forever. Then David left and Jonathan went into the city. And so um, our story, the, the overall story is not resolved here, uh, but, but we're, what we've seen here is a snapshot of this deep relationship between David and Jonathan. Right? Like David is in this really troubling time in his life, and the Lord provides uh, companionship and, and friendship for David through Jonathan. And they loved each other. Like they were really close with each other, and um, I'm not sure that I can think of any friendship in Scripture that's quite as close and intimate as this one. I mean, a lot of people, I think, will uh, read stuff like this and find it a little bit strange, right? Like, it says that they wept together, and some people have may, maybe have never done that before, or even, you know, it says that they kissed each other, right? And which seems strange, and uh, it says that Jonathan loved David more than he loved himself. And so what we're seeing here is that the Lord provided this deep friendship for David when he was in need. And I don't believe that God promises all of us that we will have deep companionship in every season of life. But I do believe that the deepest form of companionship and friendship comes from those who love God. I think that's a gift and I think that's something that God uh, provides for us as um, believers. And so today, we're going to look at some practicals of what good friendship looks like, what godly friendship looks like. But I hope that throughout all of this, I hope that you see how ultimately these things come from God and how He's providing it um, to us. And uh, I think that will become clearer and clearer as we keep going. So the first major point that I want to look at is, is this, good friends love the Lord. And so... For me, all of my best friends are people that love Jesus. And uh, that's not a coincidence, both because you know, I've pursued those relationships uh, intently, but also because um, there's a kind of closeness that happens only between believers and Jesus. It goes beyond uh, Christianity just being like a mutual interest or a hobby or something like that. Like the scriptures talk about how when people become Christians, they change. Right? Like something in them changes dramatically. The, the Bible tells us that, that you become a new creation and that the Spirit of God is placed inside of you. And as a result, I think there's this bond between believers um, that tends to be deeper than other friendships are even able to be. It's very unique. And uh, there are a couple verses that I want to look at that speak to that. Um, although there could be many more that you could choose, but there are a couple that came to mind whenever I was, I was thinking about this. The first is this one. Uh, it's in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 17. And this is just talking about how we're, new cre we're a new creation. Uh, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And again, this is just hitting on the idea that, that we, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you are a new creature. Right? You have new life and the old has passed away. 
And as a result, God has begun this work of regeneration in us, the work of making us more and more like His Son. And so it begins with this transformation, right? You become a new creature, but then the rest of your life you're being made more and more and more like His Son. And I think this has a dramatic effect on our relationships. The other verse that I wanted to look at is uh, John 13, 35. Um, and it says this, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Another, And to me, this is probably the clearest example in the word of how uh, our friendships with each other are different. Uh, Jesus is talking about our love for one another and uh, how it identifies us as being believers. But also, I think what we're seeing here is that Others will see what our friendships are like, what our relationships with each other are like, and notice that there's something different. And they'll see that there is something different going on in that relationship, and they can attribute that to God. They'll start to realize that that's from God. I bring all this up because I think it's important for us to realize and understand that the foundation of David and Jonathan's relationship is their mutual love for God. Like they loved God deeply, and uh, that brought a kind of depth to their relationship, to their friendship, that isn't possible otherwise. Uh, it, it wasn't that they just decided, like, I'm going to be a good person, or I'm going to try to be a good friend to this other person, but that God transformed them from the inside out, and that started to have an effect on their friendship. And so, for me, um, I've had all kinds of quality friendships and relationships. I feel like the Lord has really blessed me in that way. Um, and all of them, without exception, are people that love Jesus a lot. Like, there are quite a few people that I'm certain I wouldn't even be friends with at all if it weren't for our mutual love for Jesus. And so why do I say all of this? And I think it's because deep friendships begin with a deep love for Jesus. Believers have a connection with each other that's unique. And it's because of the Spirit of God that's inside of us. It's changed us and allowed us to live in a new way. And I've found that as I grow in my love for God, my friendships flourish. Like, that shouldn't be a surprise because God loves people, right? But as I grow to, to love God more and more and, and to learn more and more about God, I see how my relationships with other people grow deeper and deeper because the Lord is such a huge part of my life that it bleeds over into my friendships. We see uh, all kinds of aspects of David and Jonathan's friendship that are really great, like the, the selfless love, right? Like Jonathan says, like, I love you more than I love myself. The, the vulnerability with each other, right? They wept with each other. The honesty, the, the sacrifice, you know, all of these, these great things. And all of this comes from something that the Lord has done in them. Deep friendships begin with a deep love for Jesus. And I pray that that would be the case with us. The next point is, is this. Good friends push each other closer to the Lord. And so for some of you, that's very obvious, right? Like you have friends like that. You have people in your life that's like, man, like this person really pushes me closer to God. That's true. That's been my experience. But then others um, may not have any relationships like that at all. Right? Like maybe you have a friend that's Christian, maybe even go to church together, 
um, or study, or like do a Bible study together or something like that on like with life groups or small groups. Um, but once you leave those places, once you leave kind of this church setting, you really never talk about the Lord at all. The example I'm going to use in uh, David and Jonathan's relationship is in 1 Samuel 23. It says this, Then Saul's son, Jonathan, came to David in Oresh and encouraged him in his faith in God, saying, Don't be afraid, for my father will never lay a hand on you. You yourself will be king over Israel, and I'll be your second in command, even if my father knows, even my father knows it is true. Then the two of them made a covenant in the Lord's presence. And so you see here how Jonathan comes to David and encourages him in the Lord. He, he reminds David of the truth and the things that God has said about him. Right? Like, look, God has promised this to you. You're going to be king. So, you know, remember those things. He, he encourages him in his, in his faith. And this doesn't happen, again, this doesn't happen if the Lord isn't a foundational part of their friendship like we talked about. Like when your life is about Jesus, your friendships are about Jesus too. And I think this is kind of what the Lord was teaching me as I was preparing this. Like it, it all ties together. Like when I'm pursuing Jesus and my relationship with God is tight, that impacts everything. It impacts my relationships with other people. It's not just uh, my friendships with believers. It's also my relationships with lost people. Like because when my relationship with God is tight, like God is on my lips constantly. Like I'm, ta I'm talking about him all the time, right? And that's true in any of my relationships. And when it's not, I'm rarely talking about him. Because either I'm always talking about the Lord to everyone, or I'm hardly talking about the Lord to anyone. That's something that I've, I've just noticed in my own life. Either I'm always talking about the Lord to everyone, or I'm... Uh, hardly talking about the Lord to anyone. And so an example of this in my own life, um, there's another staff member in our church. His name's Trevor. He's a dear friend of mine. And uh, we both like lifting weights. He's actually the guy that got me into lifting weights. But this summer, most gyms were closed down. Uh, but I have some weight equipment in my basement. And so um, Trevor and I started lifting together, you know, like several times a week. And uh, there's nothing inherently spiritual about lifting weights together, but uh, this time became a little bit less about exercise and a lot more about um, just talking about like what God is doing in each of our lives. It became kind of a habit to get together and, and we'd lift, but in between sets we'd be talking about you know what God's teaching us or um, you know what we're learning in the Word or something like that. And then afterwards, it became a habit to to just pray together every time that we would lift weights. And it was, and still is, just so valuable for me to have people like that in my life. And people uh, whose minds are constantly on the Lord. Right? It pushes me to do that all the more. In fact, I think, in a way, lifting weights and, and building each other up uh, have a lot in common for me. I, I'm more motivated to get a good workout in when I'm with somebody else that wants to get a good workout in too. And similarly, when I see a brother or sister in Christ that's pursuing Jesus intensely, I think it makes me want to do the same. It makes me want to mimic those actions, right? When I see somebody that's being really uh, intentional about sharing the gospel with their lost friends, like that makes me want to go and do the same. When I see somebody that's um, always in the Word 
and that doesn't make any excuses for that. That encourages me because I see how they love God and that's why they're doing that. When I see somebody that uh, gets really excited about prayer and about spending extended time in prayer with God, like that motivates me to want to go and do the same. And so this is something that I want us to consider. This year, more than, than any other school year, I think has so much potential for our church when it comes to investing deeply in our relationships with each other. Like everything is getting smaller. Like our, I feel like our events uh, are, are smaller. They can't be that big. Uh, many of our life groups are much smaller. A lot of life groups are still meeting online because they, they don't want to do like the, the larger group together. But with that, I think, become, like, comes the opportunity to invest really deeply in your relationships with each other, to, to pursue Jesus intensely and, and to motivate each other to go and do the same. There aren't as many distractions, right? Like there's not as much going on on campus. Right? Many of uh, you have your classes online, and so you're probably aching for you know, connection and, and you know, relationships with real people instead of you know, through like a laptop. The potential for our church, I think, to grow deeper than it ever has is really insane. Like I'm praying and hoping that we catch the vision for that and just grow together in our fellowship with God and in our fellowship with each other. Hebrews 10.24 says this, and I think this, this fits right in here. Um, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And so I would love for you guys to consider that, right? Some, some practicals, some things that you might want to consider for your friendships, right? We talked about how our relationship with the Lord is foundational if we want to have deep friendships. And so how can you pursue the Lord all the more in your personal and private time with Him? Like, how can you be really intentional about that? And how can your friendships be more centered on Jesus? Right? Like, maybe that means that you start praying consistently with your friends. Maybe it means that you make a habit of, of asking uh, what the Lord is teaching them. Or, or, or what they're reading in the Word. What it is that they're learning Maybe you you start to ask them who, who it is that they can be reaching out to. People that are far from God. Or, or even if they're already doing that, maybe you could start to ask, you know, how's, how's that going? There are dozens of ways that you can, can do this, but how can you and your friendships be more centered on Jesus? So the last point that we have is that Jesus is the ultimate example of friendship. Um, so I want to read a couple of scriptures here. First one is John 15, 15. It says, I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. And then in 1 John 1, 3, it says this, What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And so what I want us to see here is that in Christ, we are given a companionship, like a friendship that far exceeds any other. We get to have a relationship with the God of the universe. That, that scripture in 1 John 1 says that we get to fellowship with God. Okay? 
And so I hope that we don't miss this because I want us to understand what the scriptures are telling us here. Friendship really is the ultimate goal of the gospel. Because in his sacrifice on the cross, our sins are atoned for and we get to have a friendship, a companionship, a relationship with the God of the universe. And that's the whole point. And I think if we don't lean into that, we're seriously missing out. Like every day, we ought to wake up with the intention of fellowshipping with God. It's literally what we're made for. We're designed to have a relationship with God, and, and that's what makes our joy complete, just like what John said in 1 John 1. And, and I've found that to be true in my own life. Like without exception, every experience I've had where I've experienced a, a ton of joy, the most joy I've ever experienced, all of it is related to my relationship with Jesus, without exception. Because in Christ, we find life. In Christ, we find abundant joy. In our friendship with Him, we can live and experience all that God has for us. And I think more than that, there's this kind of mystery to be understood about all of that. And Jesus talks about it as oneness. Like Jesus says that He desires that we would be one. He desires that we be one with God the Father. He desires that we would be one with God the Son, Jesus. And He desires that we would be one with each other. The entire goal of the gospel is love and connection and oneness with God and with each other. And I think that as we lean into that, as we lean into our relationship with Jesus and seek to be one with Him, our relationships with each other flourish too. And so I just want to end by reading that prayer that Jesus prays uh, for us to be one with each other because it's been something that's impacted me really deeply uh, over the last year. And I think it really shows how God's intention for us from the very beginning was to be close to him. It says this in John 17. This is Jesus' prayer for us. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their message. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us, so the world may believe you sent me. I have given them glory, the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they be made completely one, so the world may know you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for, for all of these truths, Lord. We thank you that... Uh, you desire to be close to us. God, that you desire to be our friend. God, we thank you that you made a way for that to happen, Lord, that you, through Christ, have made a way for us to have a relationship with you again. And that that impacts every part of our lives, Lord. God, that we get to... to uh, love you now, and as a result, we can love others as well. Lord, your scripture says that we love because you first loved us. Father, we thank you for that, and we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.